Good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and a happy Friday uh, to you, Matt Neely, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, and to all of our listeners that really make the magic of the show happen. Happy Friday. Good morning to you. Happy Friday and uh, happy Mother's Day weekend. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I, uh, I told my wife yesterday that I had her Mother's Day gift all figured out, signed, sealed, delivered, and her jaw dropped. Uh, because I shop for Christmas the day before. I just, I, ha- I have a plan. Every time, every every year, I'm shopping on Christmas Eve. And so to be this ahead of the game, I'm going to pat myself on the back if nobody else will. So, Matt, I'm ahead of the game. My wife's going to get a good Mother's Day. And, Zach, this will resonate with you. It is International Space Day. So there you there go. I'll tee go. it up for you. We're airing live from the space city of the Southwest. Tell your friends, Tucson, the space city of the Southwest. Uh, it's a uh, it's a beautiful morning here in Tucson and Southern Arizona. A full Friday show for you. I'll tell you all about it, and we will jump in and get started. In uh, in just uh, let me back my way in. We'll do that. Makes more sense that way. Way uh, the CEO and president of the YMCA of Tucson and Southern Arizona will be with us, Curtis Dawson, to close out the show. I want to talk about this incredible story that actually came out this morning. Uh, and I, I don't I don't do the investigative side. I do the storytelling side. What I think it means: seven million dollars spent uh, by the city of Tucson on an internet w- network that connected just a thousand homes. Uh, There's a pattern, there's a trend here, there's a story I wanna tell you about it. But first and foremost, we're gonna spend the better half of the first half of this show um, with a couple of folks, one I know and one I just met. Lydia Aranda is with us, the president here in Southern Arizona for Chicanos por la Causa, and uh, Joseph Garcia, the executive director of the CPLC Action Fund, I believe also the vice president of public policy for Chicanos por la Causa. That's our conversation to talk about a new campaign, a new fund to increase Latino voter turnout. To kick us off, I want to say hello to my friend Lydia Aranda. Lydia, good to be with you again, calling in on our live line, 520-790-2040. Happy Friday, Lydia. Happy Friday to you, Zach. Good morning. It's such a pleasure to be with you again, my friend and colleague. You do such great work here in the community and for listeners far and wide. Um, And it is our pleasure. I I am so excited that we'll be able to chat with you about the momentum that is being built up to give people the voice through their vote, uh, which is so important for our democracy. And to be able to have with us today such a special guest who is also my friend and a longtime colleague and, of course, a long-standing veteran journalist from the Tucson Citizen from back in the day, Mr. Joseph Garcia, who indeed uh, heads up our public policy and advocacy team and who is the director, executive director of our Action Fund, putting this campaign together. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Uh, and to kick it off, maybe, um, uh, Mr. Garcia, can I call you Joe? Please do. Or Joseph. How do you want Joe me? Joe is Okay, fine. Joe. <laughs> um, Joe, uh, to start, I wanted to, I told Lydia, maybe we could start statewide, because that's certainly um, where you play. And then I'll talk Southern Arizona. But when we talk about the need to encourage more Latino and Hispanic voters to get involved, what is the percentage of Arizona that is the Latino voter? 
And what percentage of that turns out uh, to vote on a regular basis? Yeah, we know the numbers are there. We know that Latinos comprise about almost a third of our state's population. We know that Latinos uh, make up about uh, almost a quarter of our eligible voters. Mm -hmm. But we also know that Latinos underperform at the ballot box. And this is, the, this is what we're trying to change. In the last midterm elections, Latinos made up 14% uh, of the total ballots cast in Arizona. Okay. We're looking to increase that by, by 2%. Okay. Uh, uh, roughly about 52,000 more Latino voters on top of that previous number. There's other groups that are doing get out the vote with other people. So we know that if we can mm -hmm. reach this goal, which we're very confident we can, because we have a very good strategic blueprint to make this happen, that'll be a game changer because Latino votes will be the must-have vote moving forward from this point on, so it'll change the political landscape in Arizona, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for generational change. We're not talking about just the 2022 election. Mm -hmm. We're talking about all elections moving forward. For right now, we pretty much have a one party that takes the Latino vote for granted, and we have another party that uh, thinks Latinos don't show up and, you know, quite frankly, do, do everything they can to make sure <laughs> that the Latinos don't vote, uh, we know, with the voter suppression laws. So this is a very nonpartisan campaign. We are not uh, aligned with any party whatsoever. The, the, the funding that we have, the $10 million, is not aligned to any uh, specific group or special interest groups. The only goal is to get more Latinos registered to vote and more Latinos who are already registered but haven't voted, they're infrequent voters, to get them to the polls to change this number. So for us, uh, whether it be Democrat or Republican, however you vote, it's fine. Because we think if Latino vote shows its muscle at the, at the ballot box, then our issues will be heard. And, and I'd love to speak with you at some point about what are the issues Latino voters care about, certainly statewide, but even if Lydia had some insight on, on the more local southern Arizona level, why are we not seeing a higher turnout from Latino voters in Arizona? And I guess my asterisk to that question is, and I've said this on the show, some of the um, election security, whatever you want to call it, legislation at the state level, I think much of it, some of it, parts of it, um, were solutions in search of problems. Um, but at the same time, uh, we heard even folks on this show say some of this stuff's going to kick off 200,000 voters, and we're not seeing those numbers. The data does not back up the widespread kind of sky is falling disenfranchisement yet, at least, that we've been told there would be. Um, why are we not seeing more Latinos vote in local, state, national elections? Yeah, first I think we have to address the the voter suppression laws that are coming across, not just in Arizona, but in, in across the country, mostly in red states. Uh, you, you know, we know what happens with that. It is We know who the targeted voters are for that. It, it is people of color, low-income people, trying to keep them from voting. And I know everyone likes to use that voter integrity word, but those without credibility shouldn't use the word integrity. I mean, we know what the fraud it, because that's what it is, was is trying to uh, undermine confidence in our elections, in our democracy, and in voting. That has a chilling effect uh, across the board also. It keeps people from believing in democracy and saying, well, I guess my vote doesn't count. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. Uh, so there is that sort of uh, no confidence. So no confidence vote often comes in a no vote. Uh, we also know that without candidates that... Uh, 
that voters can relate with. If they don't see them on the ballot, they don't show up to vote. Um, if they're uh, basically there's three buckets of people who don't vote anyway. Uh, younger people largely don't vote. They don't. Poor people largely don't vote. And those with very limited education, say high school diploma or less, don't vote. They're awful struggling just with their daily lives, and they're not engaged in, in civics, if you will. So we, anyway, Latinos are disproportionately young. We're a very young population, disproportionately uh, economically challenged, you know, come from poor, poor families. And then also our education is somewhat limited. We don't go on to graduate uh, post-secondary school or training uh, in large numbers. So anyway, it's not a cultural thing. But in Latinos, uh, which is interesting, is that in heavily Latino districts, and that's what we're targeting uh, across Arizona, there is a, a propensity to kind of believe that, well, my my candidate's going to win anyway. This is a safe Latino district. Mm. My candidate's going to win legislature, so right. it really doesn't matter if I vote. Not understanding the you know the impact you can have above that name and below that name, up ballot, below ballot. Not understand that there are important propositions that are on the ballot that you need to have a voice on. It's going to affect right. your life. Uh, there's a U.S. Senate race in Arizona, which is going to have a big impact, we know. Also, every statewide office is up, including the legislature, but also such offices as governor, uh, you know, attorney general, uh, you know, school superintendent. I mean, all the positions that, you know, secretary of state, which deals with voting. So it's, it's, it, we need to connect with voters on something more than a large billboard that says vote. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to do it. So we've done focus groups. We found out uh, in, in, in talking with people what resonates with them, what would make them motivate them to vote, what keeps them from voting, what are their views on issues. So we're making it a very personal, strategic thing. And it, and it differs on where you are in life. If you're younger, uh, you have a very different view of everything than someone who's kind of in the middle of raising yeah. a family and then someone else whose their family is gone. But if you don't have a family and you're young, very it's different. different so we yeah. need to reach everyone in different ways. So what's important not only is the message, but also the messenger, the delivery. So we're looking at all of those things. I, I'd, uh, I, I'm, I'm taking kind of a pulse of where this conversation is going. Can I keep you for one more segment? Yeah. Go to a break and come back. I'm here. We'll let you go by 9.30, but I'd love to not cram something into a few minutes of time because that's kind of where I wanted to go, and I wanted to also pull in Lydia Aranda, who's with us, president uh, uh, for Southern Arizona for uh, Chicanos por la Causa. We're with Joe Garcia, the executive director of uh, the CPLC Action Fund. Uh, Chicanos por la Causa uh, just launched a new fund, a $10 million campaign to increase Latino voter turnout. That's what we're talking about today. When we come back, I want to talk about what are those issues? What are you hearing from those focus groups? What are the issues Latino voters care about? And Lydia will let us know what does that look like in southern Arizona. That's where we're going to go after our first short break here. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. You're on 1030 The Voice. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on this Friday morning drive time edition of Tipping Point. Radio by and for the people of Tucson. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk.
Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wien of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their B on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Back Tucson and all that's on Arizona live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. We're in studio with Joe Garcia, the executive director for the Chicanos por la Causa Action Fund, vice president of public policy. Lydia Aranda is also with us on the phone line. We'll hear from her in a moment. President here. Uh, for Southern Arizona, for Chicanos por la Causa. Uh, and time is ticking and always goes so much faster uh, than I remember from day to day, Joe. But uh, uh, the, we were talking during the break, the Latino vote, <clears throat> which this $10 million action fund is looking to um, make a generational shift over the long haul in getting Latino voters, Republican or Democrat, to get to the voting uh, booth and to vote. Um, they are not a voting block. And I think both parties forget that. What are the issues statewide? that Latino voters care about and expect their candidates on e- in either party to speak to. Yeah, I mean, the, the issues are no different than everyone else's issues. I mean, you can talk about education, you can talk about affordable housing, health and human services, uh, you know, workforce development. I mean, all these things are important to the Latino community, just like every other community. The difference is in equity. It's not equal. Latinos start out behind in education. They often live in poor school, poorer school districts or neighborhoods that their schools aren't as quality. So we know that. We know it's not equal. We know that there's not equal uh, equality when it comes across the board. I mean, look at representation on, uh, you know, Tucson is a much, much better, by the way. Well, when you talk about boards and commissions mm-hmm. and leadership roles, you know, Latinos are, are somewhat shut out. So we need the Latino voice to hear Latino issues be addressed. Uh, whether they be Democratic, r- Republican, liberal, conservative, independent, whatever, Latino issues need to be addressed. And that's why this is so important to be a nonpartisan issue, because we believe that if Latinos are at the table, whether it be Republican or Democrat or otherwise, Latino issues are addressed. We can't be demonized. We can't be uh, villainized. We can't be diminished. Our voice will be heard. We represent the future. Uh, we are the future. But, you know, we're talking about Arizona. As Latinos go, so goes Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we need to, to, to embrace that instead of living in denial, somehow thinking that we can somehow solve this Latino problem. No, 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 no. We are the solution. And while immigration is important to mm-hmm. the Latino community because it's, it's real, it's personal, it, it's not the only issue we talk about. So too often immigration sucks all it the does, oxygen yeah. out of the room. And we're not talking about education, and we're not talking about affordable housing, and we're not talking about economic development. Yeah. So you know, we need to talk about issues that are important to the Latino community, where they are in that, in that point in time, mm-hmm. because it's not equitable. Mm. 
Lydia, I, I want to pull you into this as well. Can you speak to that question from a Southern Arizona perspective in in two or three minutes? Uh, what are the what are the issues that Latino voters uh, care about specific to this region? Well, I would agree with what uh, Joseph has said, and that is that Latino issues are issues that everybody cares about. But in our region, Southern Arizona region, where we are robust in multiculturalism, international, uh, indigenous, long legacy generations of families um, from every corner in the agricultural communities, the, the rural, the urban, all coming together. There are issues that come together that have been um, important around, as Joseph put it, the equity, the equality, the uh, disparate um, integration for better quality schools, for housing being accessible to all. And when we speak about affordable housing, that means something very different today than it meant even just three years ago. Um, It it is a struggle of affordability that is hitting sectors at various levels of affluence, not just just those um, who might have traditionally just been called poor or homeless Mm -hmm. or on the verge of homelessness. We have a whole different spectrum. Um, what is happening with resources and environment, uh, water access, uh, the cost of utilities, and as we all know, gasoline is very expensive. So transportation takes on a whole new importance, um, particularly in urban areas, but also in the outlying communities. So Latinos care about all those things because they're affected as families, as students, Certainly, as a very leading sector of business owners, small business owners and entrepreneurs are exceedingly and and increasingly owned by Latinos, um, especially women, uh, Latinas. So when we look at these issues coming together that might be on a ballot or even might be affecting the choice of elected officials that we want to vote for, um, it's nothing that is cut and dry. There, are, there is a lot to contend with there. Um, mm. Southern Arizona runs that full gamut. Wow. I could talk with you all about this for probably another half an hour, but we've already gone over the time that you uh, allotted to me, and I appreciate that. About a minute, minute and a half, uh, Joe Joe Garcia is with us, the Executive Director for the Chicanos por la Causa uh, Action Fund. Uh, where can people go to find out more about this $10 million campaign to increase voter turnout? Yeah, they're going to be seeing it more and more in digital ads and also in television ads. We're going to be going door-to-door canvassing, getting people registered, also information on how to to vote, uh, because education is important on this. Many Latinos uh, don't know how to deal with a ballot if they haven't voted before, Mm -hmm. if they haven't voted in a long, long time. The ballot itself is intimidating. It looks like a tax form, right? Mm -hmm. And young people don't deal with mail anyway. So, you know, there's there's an education point, but it's it's reaching with messaging, which is going to be important. So you're going to be seeing it, but certainly you can go to our website. We're going to have more and more information posted going forward, cplcactionfund.org. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Also, our our Chicanos por la Causa, our 501c3, also is, is, is working on this, too. So it's kind of the one-two punch that mm-hmm. we got going on uh, getting out the vote, the Latino vote. But we're very uh, encouraged by this. There's a lot of energy, a lot of uh, momentum. This is going to be a movement, and that's what it's going to take. And we're very happy that many other Latino groups that have been doing this for years also are, are joining this effort and, and aligning with this effort and really going to move the needle this time. People are going to notice it. I'm very confident we're going to be successful. 
Joe, Lydia, Thanks. thank you both for being here this morning. Let's uh, continue this conversation soon. Until next time, have a great Friday and a great weekend, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, thank Jack, you. for all you do. A great leader. Thank you, Lydia. We'll be back after bottom of the hour news. Stay right here. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We are live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on 1030 The Voice. We just said goodbye to our uh, guests for the first half hour of the show. Words are hard on a Friday. Lydia Aranda was with us um, and Joe Garcia, both with Chicanos por la Causa, talking about a nonpartisan, bipartisan $10 million campaign to increase Latino voter turnout. And uh, uh, there's other things I want to get to today, but I think a very interesting conversation. And to me, it validates my gut feeling, my gut hunch, that the needs, the challenges, uh, the struggles of Latino voters uh, are are not being addressed, not being solved uh, in this region right now. And it was interesting to hear Lydia speak to challenges of housing challenges uh, of jobs and uh, economic mobility, challenges um, in transportation. Uh, And uh, it just, I think it frustrates me to see um, that uh, housing is not becoming more affordable, jobs are not becoming more plenty, neighborhoods are not getting more safe, transportation is not getting any easier, and it's been like that for some time. And I've said on this show before, when we don't make policy, um, that adequately tackles the challenges and solves the problems. Uh, it is those who we say we want to help the most across socioeconomic and cultural backgrounds who are uh, impacted worst, first, 
and most. And I heard that loud and clear, uh, loud and clear today. And I thought Joe made an interesting comment that that one party takes the Latino vote for granted, and the um, other party has at times, per what their politicians say, uh, don't think that the Latino vote matters because Latinos don't show up to vote. And that's not my saying that. That is what has been said um, on uh, cable news and TV in the past. And so I'm excited to see what's going to happen with this initiative. I didn't really know about it until this week, uh, but that's what it stirred up uh, stirred up for me. You know, I, I, I was going to get into this, um, and, but I'll say, I'll say kind of the storyline, this next topic, and then we'll go to break. Curtis Dawson will be with us in just a few short minutes, the president and CEO of the YMCA uh, of Tucson in southern Arizona. But this uh, really interesting piece, I'm going to talk about this next week in more detail. $7 million Tucson Internet Network connects just 1,000 homes. Meaning the city of Tucson spent cash at a rate of nearly $7,000 for each family served by the initiative. That's more than six times the typical yearly cost for internet service in the area. And the piece goes into, this is what I want to talk about today, and I'll get into it in more detail next week, because it's not about the details per se for me. It is, because this is an inefficient use um, of taxpayer dollars. But my point is larger than that. I want to go a different angle with it. The city could have funded, like other jurisdictions in our region did, could have done a public-private partnership um, with private internet companies to serve uh, 5,000 homes over eight years. And it would have still cost $2 million less than what was spent on a fraction of the desired amount. And I think this piece written by Sam Kamak is really well done. And it is, it is good to see the fourth estate in Tucson again dig deep into issues. We've seen it now from the Tucson Sentinel. We've seen it from the Daily Star. Tucson is better uh, when the fourth estate is active in the way that it should be. This is not an investigative platform. This is a storytelling platform. And here's the story that I think this tells. Because whether it is the decision to not work with private companies like Cox, and those conversations had happened, I'm very much aware of those, uh, the city decided to go its own. And it made me think of what is happening with the Los Reales Sustainability Campus, where uh, two years ago, a private gas company said, we can help you uh, get some compressed natural gas out of this. And the city said, oh, that's nice, and uh, we'll get back to you. And two years later, a consultant that was funded six figures to do research comes back to the city two years later and says, we recommend you work with a private company to, to get a big thing done. Ten years, two years of a 10-year climate action plan is taken uh, uh, to study, to get to an answer that was had two years ago. And why, why, why do I sound firm on this? Here's the story. There is an allergy locally, but I think within the city of Tucson, there is an allergy to public-private partnerships. This is a pattern that we're starting to see where there is a, a focus on public sector delivery that is slower, less efficient, less effective than would be a public-private sector partnership. And I think there is an allergy 
to collaboration with the private sector. Now this piece talks about Sunnyside School District, who I think did it right. They took the dollars they got from the federal government, they partnered with the private sector and had good delivery. Right, and I say this lovingly to my friends, if, if you think that only the public sector should deliver or only the private sector should deliver, I think both points of view are limited. I think the best success comes from the public and private sector collaborating to deliver. It's more efficient, it's more cost effective, can happen faster. There's just an allergy to it locally. And this is a very high profile result of that. And until we get back to, certainly within the largest jurisdiction within Pima County, an ability to collaborate effectively with the private sector, uh, we're gonna keep spinning our wheels and spending money. So that's the story that I wanted to point out, the allergy to public-private sector partnership. And look, not only does it have an impact on taxpayer dollars, that's gonna upset some listening the most, but for those who wanted successful delivery to people who desperately needed connection to Wi-Fi, certainly during the early periods of COVID, less than 1,000 people got served. So whether you're looking out for the taxpayer or you're looking out for equitable solutions, you got neither because of our allergy to public-private sector partnership. We should all be watching this more carefully because it's a trend and it's not working. I'm a data guy, just look at the data. The data tells the story. I don't have to say it, the data tells the story. We're gonna go to a break. When we come back, we're gonna end the week on a much more fun note. YMCA of Tucson, Southern Arizona. The President and CEO Curtis Dawson is with us. We'll talk about how they innovated, expanded, broke ground, and grew during COVID. It's a good story in our community. I'm looking forward to telling it. We'll be right back here on 1030 The Voice. Don't go anywhere. to Vail and everywhere in between. 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com why i love where i live it's a brand and movement that began here in tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live located in the open air mercado san agustin annex just west of downtown it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food drink and other shopping options close by find gifts toys books and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. 
We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson, located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, the RTA at age 16 at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona, live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to this Friday Drive Time edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. We've had a full show today. It flew by very, very quickly. And I'm, I'm excited to be in studio uh, with Curtis Dawson, now the president and CEO of the YMCA of Southern Arizona. This conversation is brought to you by our friends over at Vantage West Credit Union. 
We all became familiar with the phrase essential workers during COVID, uh, but uh, now we're encouraging essential customers and essential supporters, uh, highlighting some of the great businesses and organizations that have survived, thrived, and have a bright future ahead coming out of COVID. We want to tell you those stories and encourage you to support, donate, uh, be a philanthropist to uh, come alongside some of these great organizations. And uh, this next conversation in that series is with Curtis Dawson, YMCA of Southern Arizona. Curtis, good morning. Good morning, Zach. How are you doing today? Good. Good to see you. Uh, I, I appreciate your long commute here. Thanks for making the time. I do, do just about anything for you. We're about a block apart, as it turns out. So uh, um, took a lot of sacrifice, but uh, but Curtis is here. No, you're a busy guy. Your time is the most valuable thing. Uh, where do we start, Curtis? Um, give me the 60-second mission vision of the YMCA of Southern Arizona, and we'll go from there. You know, the YMCA is here to help families help kids help adults leave or live healthier lives right we want people to be thriving in this community and all that that means that they are uh, well in spirit mind and body that we're helping more kids get ready for the starting line of kindergarten get more kids reading at level third grade having more kids safe in and around the water uh, we teach a lot of swim lessons and creating opportunities for kids to challenge themselves and, and find new opportunities to to grow and you know with the families with the adults getting a place where they can belong and have achievement and build relationships if one thing we learned uh through COVID and before COVID, we are more connected than ever before, but mm-hmm. people are more lonely than ever before. Right. And, and that face-to-face is so important. I think as uh, humans, we're, we're wired to be in community. And, and the YMCA wants to create spaces that that can happen. You've been with the uh, YMCA the majority of your professional career. Uh, you came into Tucson, what, five years ago? Just over five years Just ago, Just over yes. five years ago with a fresh vision for what the YMCA could be. What's your vision for the YMCA? There's there's locations, by the way, all across uh, southern Arizona, as we said. Yeah, we have four four membership branches. Uh, we have multiple program sites throughout the community. And, of course, our Triangle by Ranch Camp that's going to have its uh, 75th anniversary next year, which is uh, incredible. But, you know, our, our vision is that we want to be uh, not just the best Y in Tucson or the best Y in the state. We want to be the best YMCA in the country. And the reason for that is is that, you know, I believe in what we do. I believe that the work we do transforms people's lives for the better. And not that we, uh, we do that for them, but we help open doors. We help give a hand up. We help encourage, challenge for people to write new stories for their lives. And, and that's, that's our vision. So my goal is for our facilities, for our programs, for everything that we have, the staff, the volunteers, that we're, we're the best of the best, you know, that we operate in a standard of excellence that day in and day out. Um, people can lean on us um, when, when life gets difficult because, guaranteed, life is going to get difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, we are a, a community that's in this together, and the YMCA needs to be a key part in helping more people thrive in Tucson. Uh, I want to spend the majority of our conversation looking forward um, because there was a capital campaign uh, that's been in place. There was a uh, groundbreaking, uh, I believe, a few weeks ago. Uh, but but tell us um, an innovation story that happened during COVID. What was something that you had to innovate, think about, do differently that was brought on by COVID? It was it was difficult for us, you know. Some some organizations, some businesses, they were uh, completely shut down, didn't have the opportunity to do anything. Um, but for the YMCA, you know, because we serve essential workers, you know, we we provide childcare, we were able to continue to operate. But the, the innovation part was we couldn't operate like we always did. You know, we normally we would have a you know, these 60,000 square foot facilities with a thousand plus people coming in through them every day. All of a sudden we're using this entire facility 
to serve essential workers' kids, you know, making sure that they uh, can continue to go to work, whether it's, a, um, you know, a nurse or whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. during that time, if it was a person working at Costco stocking the toilet paper, we definitely wanted them going to work. And that's that, that was the biggest change is mm-hmm. the the – the reality of all the unknown when COVID started. You know, we were closed on, I think it was March 17th, and that, uh, you know, two days later, because we were already prepping for it, we started our uh, emergency child care program so wow. that we could serve as many families as possible. And, and through a time with, you know, with kids, um, they had no idea what was going on, but being able to make it as, as normal as possible. But we had it set up so that, you know, kids didn't um, interact with other groups we had our pods set up so that they stayed completely separated and the staff team uh you know i had complete faith in them to be able to uh, operate in a safe manner and and they did it throughout COVID. and and now because of that impact we've been able to do some pretty incredible things since then which you know speaking of the capital campaign and what we we're able to do to be able to do the groundbreaking you know having mm-hmm. a, a campaign like that going on during COVID, you know right. started a year before COVID. um n- not the ideal situation but it ended up spurring us on to to success. So, so tell me about that capital campaign and the groundbreaking that happened a few weeks ago. What does the future look like? You know, the capital campaign, you know, started in 2000, well, actually back in 2017. You know, we did a facility optimization study to, uh, I'm a big fan of data and making sure that I'm not uh, making decisions based on how I feel in that moment, but really what does the data tell us? And so we had an outside consultant come in and examine all of our current facilities and look at potential new sites and you know, what, what kind of investment would it take to get our current facility up to meet market expectation? What kind of increase in market penetration would that be? Um, and what's the ROI? And, uh, you know, through that whole process, you know, the board went through and went through the research and said, we, we need to be invested in downtown Tucson. Mm-hmm. Downtown is transforming, is changing, and the YMCA either needs to close the building or be a part of it. And so we decided we want to be a part of it. We started a uh, $5.2 million campaign to completely renovate our downtown Y. Um, what's exciting is the number of people that jumped on board to help us through our leadership council ahead and before COVID. But through COVID, because of the impact we had and what we're able to do to serve families, to serve kids, um, they were even more excited through COVID than they were before COVID. And being able to have so many, it's just humbling the support that um, that we've received. You know, and when you when you make a, uh, a donation to a nonprofit organization, yeah, it's tax deductible, but at the end of the day, that is an investment. That's an investment that that donor sees in the community. And the reason we are a nonprofit, the we, reason we are a 501c3 is because we provide community benefit. And if we're not providing that benefit, we're not a wise investment and people aren't going to want to give. And so the excitement of that campaign being successful and, you know, we raised uh, $4.3 million and wow. the YMCA is um, putting in the rest of the money to make it successful. And it's, you know, hopefully a year from now, a little less than that, the construction will be done and we'll have a, a completely updated, renovated facility. Mm-hmm. One of the things we did do during COVID as part of the campaign is, you know, since you know most of the facility was closed, we knew we were going to have to renovate our showers and our boilers not the most exciting thing, but necessary. We did do a $1.2 million phase of the renovation of phase one while we were closed, which in hindsight, um, one, it saved us money because right. we didn't have to stay open during it. Number two, I kind of wish we would have been able to do it all back then because, you know, with the cost of <laughs> right. escalation of everything right. since then, um, you know, it would have been nice to be able to do more. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But it's a really exciting time for the YMCA. And we are, you know, moving forward looking at, you know, what's what's the next project and what where do we need to invest next so that we can um, have the most impact 
for those that need us the most and mm-hmm. um, and that's throughout the community and it's a it, it's a process and it takes time but I'm very excited about where we're where we're at very excited about where we're headed and still ecstatic to be uh, be in Tucson what does a renovated downtown Y look like if you mentioned it I'm sorry I missed it but uh, you mentioned the kind of the shower area but what I think there's three or four projects within that at least that I can see when I walk in the building yeah, and uh, just so everyone knows, Zach's been working out at the Y quite a bit now, and yeah. he's doing a great job. I'm very proud of him. Uh, I needed to be you. doing that more, but good job, Zach. You're um, looking great. So this this project, uh, the next phase. I can't imagine the pressure on you to have to look good, well, being the CEO of a, of a facility that is missioned to help people live their best life. You kind of have to be, look like you're living yours all, all oh, the time. Mentally, physically, <laughs> spiritually. I mean, we don't have enough time in the show to talk about all that it takes, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, this project, getting back to the topic at hand, uh, is it's it's exciting. So there's m- a lot of the facility is just going to be updating the um, the skins, you know, the flooring, mm-hmm. the lighting, the paint. Uh, we are going to be completely renovating our our pool. So new plaster, new gutters, new everything, which allows us to continue to do those swim lessons that are so vital in our community. Um, but we're also going to be adding a few new pieces. One of them is a bike hub. You know, mm-hmm. we have this incredible loop that goes through all out Tucson, and we want to encourage more people to be able to use the loop to get to work. Um, we have showers, right? So they'll have a nice storage to be able to put their mm-hmm. their bike in, be able to go take a shower, head over to work, come back. The other thing we're doing is we learned through COVID is that we live in a beautiful area. Most of the year, it is an absolutely beautiful area. So it we want to do more classes outside like we did during COVID. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have an airnasium that's right in the front of the building that's going to be turfed, and we'll be able to do Group X classes and itty-bitty sports and all kinds of stuff in there. So um, for the most part, it's going to be a complete facelift, but there's going to be a few elements like the bike hub and the airnasium that is going to be really nice component for our downtown Y. Very cool. Uh, where can people go? How can people support you? we got about a minute and a half, uh, two minutes. How can people support the YMCA of Southern Arizona, support your work going forward? For the YMCA, we, we, you know, it's time, talents, and treasures, right? You know, this last weekend we had a work party up at Triangle Y Ranch Camp through the uh, Rotary Club of downtown Tucson as well as TEP, and there's 40-plus people there. So that kind of work is fantastic. You know, we always n- need more labor like that to be able to support mm-hmm. us. We, of course, are a nonprofit, which mm-hmm. is, you know, to be clear, just a tax status, but we do uh, appreciate the support. We give out a lot of scholarships and making sure that nobody is turned away based on their ability to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, TucsonYMCA.org is our website. You can donate right there online. Or, you know, call the Y or shoot me an email. Um, be happy to um, talk to you about the YMCA. It's, you know, I can talk to the YMCA all day long. So Absolutely. would love to be able to uh, connect with more people and talk about the good things that are happening at the Y and, and in our community. Absolutely. Uh, my first Y experience in the Tucson region was the Northwest YMCA. I was born and grew up in that area and a beautiful facility there. Real fast, where are the four that you mentioned in Southern Arizona? So Northwest, there's downtown. Okay. Um, then there's a Lighthouse City YMCA. is a partnership through the city of Tucson over on Columbus okay. between uh, – What's that? Grant and Fort Lowell, mm-hmm. and then our Ott Family YMCA, which over on the east side, between Twenty Second and Broadway, off of uh, Prudence. Got it. Got and it. And then we have before and after school and summer day campsites uh, all over the community. Very cool, Curtis. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it and love to storytell 
um, what you did to meet needs uh, during COVID, but also the generosity and stewardship of the community that has allowed you to keep growing. And we look forward to what the future holds. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Well worth the long trip over here. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate it. Tucson, that's it for us today. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. When we come back, Leo Marquez Peterson, uh, Arizona Corporation Commissioner, will be with us in studio to kick us off on Monday. You can catch up on everything you missed on this show on our podcast, Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on iTunes, Spotify, kvy.com forward slash podcasts. Stay safe out there and enjoy a beautiful weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening.